Welcome to the Wake Her Up podcast. I'm your host, Marcella Hill. Feel like something's missing in your life? Well, it's probably you. You are not crazy. You are not alone. You have found your people. We are waking up our souls and our bodies to claim a life of feeling awake and alive. Join me as we share women's awakening stories and learn from experts about perimenopause and what we need to feel alive through the greatest awakening of women's lives. Welcome to the next women's movement we call Wake Her Up. Because we're going to talk to Dr. Stacy Donaldson out in Colorado. She's at Longmont, Good Life Longmont. And I cannot wait to talk about this conversation because I feel like this conversation encompasses everything that Wake Her Up is all about. I know a lot of you are here to up your libido, not feel insane, balance your hormones, try to get that specific number on the scale to be feeling like a real human. And what we're learning is there's not a magical number. And once you get into this phase of perimenopause, there are a million other things that we should be looking at and talking about other than just the level of testosterone and progesterone and estrogen that you're at. And today we're going to be talking about how your boundaries can affect your hormones and how learning how to set your boundaries and respect your own boundaries can actually help optimize your hormones. So let's bring on Dr. Stacey Donaldson. Hello. Hi. <laughs> You're back. We love you. Thank you so much for coming back and joining us. Sorry for all the runaround with the children. Well, Boy. I'm just laughing because um, my 11-year-old is in Wyoming with my family but my 14 year old is in summer school. And so he's finished, he has a final this morning. Um, and so I was just, I was just smiling and moderating with your earphones and your calls because I am a professional chauffeur this summer. Like that's all I am doing is just figuring yeah. out how to get everybody from here to there. Well, welcome back. We love having you. This is our second interview with Dr. Stacey Donaldson and I had to have her back because right at the end of our last conversation, you dipped into talking about boundaries and how you really get this 360 view of your patients' lives and how their lives are affecting their health. Oh, like isn't that an you know, I mean, an epiphany. It's just why aren't we looking at it like this? I think women already know, obviously all the things that are going on in their life are affecting their back. They're affecting their gut. They're affecting, you know, their ability to remember things. And I just loved that you talked about boundaries specifically that comes up all the time in our private Facebook group. And let's get into it. When we talk about boundaries, where do you like to start that conversation? Um, one of the things I, I start with is, and then we talked about before, is assessing their stress levels and their energy levels throughout the day. And then it's like, uh, how often are you in a state of panic, anxiety, reaction, um, 
oh my God, I have to get this done. I have to get this done. I have to get that done. And how often are you in a state of calm? And can you even differentiate between the two? Right. <laughs> because what I find often is that we live in a culture that thrives on adrenaline and thrives on cortisol and thrives on um, lack and the perception of lack and competition. And you know, competition in and of itself isn't a bad thing. It's all of this gets harmful when it's done over a, an extreme long period of time and you're not you're not able to come down off of it right so it's like how and and what happens is that our internal um barometer of what's normal starts to get really skewed oh, and yeah. so and it's funny because you have teenagers and I'm watching my teens and I'm watching like our culture and it like really starts indoctrinating this really, really young. And, um, you know, some kids like my daughter thrive in it. I have to balance it for her, but she really, she's, a, she's in dance. She loves being on stage. She, there, there's a part of her that just adores all that. Right. So there are those of us who thrive and who get fueled from that. But like anything else, it can go too far and then it becomes a drain. But there's others like my son who, um, no, thank you. And and I don't really want to participate in this high drive world. And so, and we're like taught, like that has to happen. Like in order for you to be successful, this has to happen. Yeah. And what I find with women, especially if they start entering menopause and perimenopause, we're starting to question everything everything <laughs> because our bodies are basically saying time out tap out uh, 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 uh. this this is just not working anymore i had this conversation with a patient actually she came in and she was like the night sweats oh my god and i'm like sweating all the time and i'm so tired and i'm so lethargic and she's and we'd had her on a formula that had been working really really well for her for a while and now it's like ramped up to the next level and she's like, can't you give me something to stop this right now? And I just looked at her and was like, honestly, no, I can't. <laughs> like, because this isn't, this isn't an acute pathology that's just happening right now because you're missing some vitamin or some food or something. This is a result of you and all of us running on high octane for you know 20 30 plus years and instead of our hormones doing a steady decline over the next 10 years so steady that we don't even really notice anything is going on until all of a sudden we're like oh it's been a year since i haven't had my period and maybe I'm a little groggy occasionally and maybe I'm a little bit more pointed in my comments than I used to be, but all of the symptoms that we American women are think are normal and just have to happen don't happen other places because that, that hormonal decline, that estrogen and progesterone decline, which is supposed to happen, happens gradually. And it's like, you know, it's like, I'm realizing the metaphor I use a lot is that menopause and the symptoms we associate with menopause is like a hardcore drug detox. Like we have stopped the hormones and our bodies are freaking out 
because we're going through this severe detox that is fast and it's not happening. If, if you've ever been around anybody coming off of alcohol or drugs, a lot of the same things happen. You get the shakes, you get the sweats, you can't think, you can't sleep, your thoughts are crazy. Like your body is going through withdrawal. Yes. You know, it's interesting. I have just, I'm going to insert a little experience I had. So I went through a horrible divorce. You know, I mean, it was sudden. It was tragic. I found out he was having an affair and it just like blew up in my face. And I was working with a therapist and it had been a few months and it was kind of like I woke up one day and I couldn't function. Like it felt like I had lost my brain, lost everything. Like it just, I couldn't hardly move. And I called her just freaking out. Like what is happening? What is going on? And she said, oh, this is you coming off the drug of adrenaline. Like this is you being bored. <laughs> this is you when nothing is happening. And she said, you're going to have to make yourself sit in this to like come off of this adrenaline. And, you know, it was so nice to know that it was part of grief. It was part of, but it also helped me understand that I wasn't going crazy Yes, my body was freaking out, but it was because I was physically addicted to this drug of crazy town life of like, what's going to happen next? And all of a sudden there was nothing else happening. Mm -hmm. And that's when I almost felt it the most. Yes. And so I get it. You know, it's, it's so, rough. So, and so what I'm doing, especially if I see you in person with acupuncture, is I'm actually getting most of my patients to drop into their bodies for the first time ever in their life. Wow. And, and then, and then what happens when you do that, like I, I um, people lose it on my table all the time. Like I'm like, they just, I like people tell me their stories, all the emotion that they're not allowing themselves to feel all of a sudden their body intuitively knows that they're in a safe space and it just comes gushing out. And always with women, they're like apologizing because they're crying. And I'm like, okay, first off, no, this is an emotional release that you need to have. Second, this is totally healthy. This is why you're here. And we're going to be doing this a lot more because <laughs> you need to learn what it feels like in your body and develop your body's sense of what it feels like to be at rest at peace and in the healthy parasympathetic way. And then as we get there and your body learns how to feel that, you then learn how to find that outside of the treatment room, right? And oftentimes I'm working with, co-working with therapists because that's what therapy is doing too. That's what a good therapist is supposed to be doing with you too. Because we humans aren't supposed to do it by ourselves. We're supposed to do it with somebody else. But our culture is messed up enough that that's really not safe. <laughs> that's like our next podcast. Yes. Let's talk about that. But you oftentimes don't even know what it feels like to feel safe with somebody else and to feel connected in a healthy way to somebody else if you don't know what that feels like inside of you. I love that you're using the term drop into your body. I had an experience where, well, over the last several years, I think that I had become so uncomfortable in my body 
Um, you know, I was dealing with a food addiction. I was dealing with just not loving my body ever. And I started practicing, practicing meditation, which brought me out of my body. And it was healthy for a while in the sense that I thought I am not my body. I'm not defined by my body. You know, this is not who I am. And I would learn to show up, not even considering my body. And I felt like I kind of lived outside of my body for an a period of years, which was good in the sense I got to redefine who I was and I wasn't defined by, by my body, which is great, but it made me disconnected from my body where my body wasn't mine. I wasn't listening to my body. I wasn't able to use my body to feel feelings. Crying was really hard right? because it was a total disconnect. And I also didn't trust my body. And I had a, a therapy session where I dropped into my body and for hours I cried and cried and I, and that sounds bad, but it was like amazing. Like it felt so good to just use my body to feel feelings. And I think that's such an important piece that I'm just learning how to get back into my body. But what's fascinating is that we are this whole system, right? And, you know, the, di the didactic theory and the, like the either or that we've been operating on for a long time has been great because it's gotten us to this space, right? But it's also not complete. It's not, it, it misses large chunks. Mm -hmm. And we've all experienced this, the medical gaslighting when you walk into a doctor's office. And it was funny because I was talking to a friend about my, my the other, about, about this other day. And I was like, it's hard because I often say, well, it's stress, but I'm not dismissing you because it's stress. It's like, it's, I'm hearing you. And yes, this, this is, this is a thing that we can work with and we can use. And it's not like I'm patting you on the head and saying, oh, honey, go home and take a mother's little helper. And it's just stress. Like, no. And so it's hard because there are truths that are out there, but they've either been ignored or dismissed. And then when you hear them again, you automatically go on the defensive of, oh, yeah. Oh, here we go again. Like, I just don't know how to manage my life well. Right. Well, we're so used to thinking that it's our fault, you know, that like if we could just do something different, then it would be better. And I think there's a couple things with that because one, we do have to learn to be really honest with ourselves, right? I did a newsletter last night about sleep. And as much as hormones completely have altered how I'm able to sleep, even after hormones, I'd get real honest about what does Marcella's bedtime routine look like? You know, are you staying on your phone until 2 a.m.? Am I even trying to relax my brain? Am I helping my body with any kind of supplements to sleep? And, you know, we can yell all day long that we don't sleep well or that we feel like crap. But if we're not getting really honest with ourselves and take responsibility for the things that we can change, then, you know, we're going to end up in this cycle over and over. Well, and then the other part of that is there's like two parts. Like there's like the part you can control and there's the part that you can change. And then there's also this collective soup that we're living in. Right. <laughs> right. And so. It's like, get really real on what you can actually affect and do. And then also get really gracious with yourself about like, you, you know, like 
we're not like I'm, we're not going to change culture overnight to have us go from this high competitive adrenaline fueled consumer based culture to one that recognizes art and downtime <laughs> and play overnight like that's right. just not going to happen and trying to do that will actually create you more stress because you're swimming against the current of what the current culture is so instead it's like find pockets of that find ways of carving out a little bit of that but still be gracious with yourself right and what the, the fun part is is that our hormones and our neurotransmitters which make up the foundations of our emotions are like this um i, I apologize there's a truck out front you might hear it i hear a little bit it. you're good it's totally fine um that's it's kind of like that's the uh, i love the movie what's what's the movie with that the happy sad um the cartoon and oh um i can't think of why can i never movie. remember i know what you're talking about hold on i'm gonna find it keep going and i'm gonna find but it. It, that's really true it's like we think we're in charge we think this prefrontal cortex that this big brain up here in the front is like running everything all it is really doing is making the story that explains what the rest of the brain is doing automatically and what the rest of the body is doing automatically and on its own and the, the nice movie about, the movie is called inside out yeah inside out yeah and so i love that movie because it really shows how like we've all been there when you're like totally grooving and you're totally in the moment and then somebody cuts you off in traffic and you're like this rage monster right like if you were really in control of your emotions, somebody cutting you off in traffic might register as like a minor inconvenience, not like the whole crazy road rage thing that just flashed before your eyes. So the whole thing, like meditation is great because it teaches you how to have some distance and how to have some perspective on and how to notice what's coming up in your body. And like you experienced, it can also be a really great escape where you disconnect from your body and you don't mm -hmm. feel anything in your body. But the, yes. this, how the, and how the hormones work in that is, so estrogen is actually a lot like testosterone. It is the driving hot emotive emo, um, hormone in our body. It is what, it's why like after you have your cycle, all of a sudden you can think clear, you can get shit done. You, you're like on this, like I am conquering the world, right? It is the hormone driver that biologically is out there making us seek out our mates so that we can meet somebody so that the apex of that high, when we ovulate, we can have massive fun and hopefully make a baby. And then after that comes progesterone, which is the hormone that's in charge of pregnancy. And it's like super soft and calm and it's what makes you cry all the time it's what makes you feel all the deep feels and let me tell you progesterone does not like to be rushed it does not like to be in a hurry it does not like stress it just wants to chill and you know i, I often thought about that that feeling when you're pregnant there's like this kind of like almost kind of semi-stoned blissed feeling that's always kind of like percolating in the background and for a lot of women not for all but for a lot and you almost like realize like things that used to irritate you you just don't really you just can't summon up 
the energy to be that bothered by it, especially right. towards the end when you're like, you know, 10 months pregnant and you're like, your belly's out to here and you're just yeah. hot and uncomfortable. Like you might be crabby, but you're not like, the energy is very languid. It's very soft, right? That's progesterone. And the interesting thing is that there's an amino acid that's a precursor to either progesterone or cortisol. It's called pregnenolone. And there's this thing called the pregnenolone steel, where if you are in a high stress environment, your body will take the pregnenolone and make cortisol instead of making progesterone. Okay. So if you're in the, and this is what like comes up a lot with people talking about estrogen dominance. And we've had all this question, all this conversation about the fat in our diet and the plastics in our diet. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that contributes some of it. But in my practice, what I see, it has more to do with the fact that you're high stress all the time. And so your body is like, it's protecting you. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to let you go into that languid progesterone last half of your cycle because you're telling your body that's dangerous. Wow. So your body's going to be like, okay, scrap the progesterone. We're going into cortisol because we're under attack all the time and we have to figure out how to manage everything. And so then you start getting these really wonky periods and you start getting these things that look like estrogen dominance, like the night sweats, the hot flashes, all that sort of stuff, because the progesterone isn't high enough because it's not being made. Because you're never able to really relax. I mean, you're never having that moment of just like chill because you're just constantly like, we got to be on, we got to be on. And And then I'm imagining you finally just fight that for so long and then you eventually crash at some point. You crash and then that's where you get into like that whole cycle, right? And so oftentimes right now it's like, okay, how can we like support you in order to be able so that you can make both. You can make enough cortisol to do what you need to do and you can make enough progesterone that you can actually balance out your cycle. And maybe we talk about lifestyle stuff, about what is really like driving you. And then this is where the boundary work comes in because we are conditioned as American women that everybody else's problems are our problems and we come last. Yes. And And to back up from one second, I love that you're talking about how your body feels kind of during these cycles and during these fluctuations in hormones. I went to one women's retreat where a woman was talking about your whole cycle. We like mapped it out. And then she had us list all the things we needed to do during that next month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then she associated which ones took like a lot of creativity or which ones took a lot of like energy and, you know, passion. And then she had us put those activities in accordance to how we would be feeling and how our hormones could support those things. I had literally never seen anything like it. I didn't even know that I should be planning my activities around my hormones, technically speaking. And now I know, now I don't have a uterus. So you would think, oh, I don't have a cycle. Oh, I still can feel my body Mm -hmm. up and down, up and down every 30 days, you know? And I know now that I should not plan big, crazy events at the end of the month because I don't want to just... I just want to lay around. I want to take a freaking nap. I want to lay on the lake. I want to get a towel and just sit on the beach, you know, and 
and it takes a massive amount of effort. And then I start thinking, what is wrong with me? What, what, just get, get it together, Marcella, you know? And I've realized, oh, wow, it, that it's because my hormones are different. You know, I don't have that energy that I need to be able to put on that show. I love that because I do the same with my practice with my women too. And what's awesome is that we fight it, right? Because I'm a total type A doer, 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 doer. And I remember the first time this was taught to me and I was challenged. I was like, do three months. And then look back over your three months and see what your productivity, what your creativity, what your life was like following it. And then compare that to the previous three months. And my teacher was like, I will guarantee you that if you actually plan your life this way, you will be more productive in the first two weeks of your cycle than you are the whole month. Because what happens is we're super, super productive and then we undo it all the last half. Right. So we're constantly <laughs> doing this back and forth. Whereas if you just be productive and then rest, you just hang out there. You just hang out where you are at. Right. And there's no back and forth. There's no having to go back the next month and fix all the stuff that you messed up when you were tired the previous month before. And she was right. Like, and, and then the other fun, fun part I'm going to tell you about is I call PMS week absolute truth week. <laughs> and this is really great with boundaries. Love that. Because, and I, and I sometimes it depends on the, the partners and the spouses, because if I can teach the husbands this too, they will oftentimes actually gladly help you with this. Yeah. Once they figure out what's going on. So PMS is like, I am so done and so tired of taking care of everybody else's shit that this week I literally have no filter and all the stuff that I should have been saying the previous three weeks is going to come out like a fire hose. Yes. And because it happens that way, we get dismissed because everybody's like, oh, she's at, it's that time of the month. She's just bitchy. But no, what's coming out of your mouth that week is all the things that you should have been saying the previous right. three weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I have people like take a, keep a journal and write down and not only what you say to others, but how you talk about yourself. So if you're like, I'm so tired, I'm so pissed. Why do I have to do everything? Why? Like, like that whole self-pity, martyr, resentment yep. talk. Yep. Okay. That is a cue that you were doing too much for others the other three weeks. And so then I have them practice, like once they get it all written down, it's funny because, you know, your husband not putting his dishes in the dishwasher and, and put it in the sink instead, that pisses you off every single day the rest of the month too. You just swallow it and then explode <laughs> Till on Till day it. 22. Yes. <laughs> but what would happen if after your period, when he thinks you're sane and rational, because you're sane and rational the whole entire time. It's just his perspective and you have to work with our cultural soup, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens if you say to him on day like five or day six, hey babe, you know, it really bothers me that you can't seem to put your glass in the dishwasher and you leave it for me in the sink. It feels really disrespectful and you know, like, I know like it's just, but it's, if you don't do it, it's one more thing I have to do. Can you please just like try to like put it in the dishwasher and I'll help remind you, but this would be really helpful for me. And by the way, I, I have this thing that this, the, the, my practitioner is telling me, 
like if we try this, I might not lose my shit quite so much next month if we kind of do this stuff now. Yeah. So and walk me through, like, can you walk me through this perfect, whatever we want to call it, 28 day cycle and kind of like what type of activities would you do like week one, week two? Like, can you break it down into like kind of a perfect scenario? So I kind of tend to look at it in, in like reaching up to ovulation and then coming mm -hmm. back down to your cycle. So on day one, day two, day three of your bleed, you should be resting. Like ideally back in ancient times, that's where the whole red tent thing mm -hmm. comes from. Um, I, ideally during that time you would be like taken care of because it's actually really hard work to be bleeding. Okay. So plan on, you know, door dashing, plan on having crock pot meals, plan on those are your Netflix movie nights. Those are those days. Don't plan big presentations. Right. Don't plan if you're working, don't plan that you're going to go in and like have an intense conversation with a, a coworker or an employee or a vendor during those con during those time periods. I mean, I get it life happens, but if that's going to happen, if there's no way that you can't plan around it, then you plan time before and you plan time after to decompress and to take right. care of yourself. The full awareness is going to change everything. Not that you can instantly change your schedule, but the awareness. And if you can't change your schedule the next 30 days, well, your awareness and being able to change by, you know, in six months, you can figure out how to change your schedule. Totally. And then about day four, day five, that's when you're going to start wanting to pay attention to your dreams, pay attention to the little things inside of you that are like, Ooh, I like that. That sounds cool. If you're a businesswoman or an entrepreneur, like that's the time when you're going to start getting the little hints of, oh, I want to make this thing or I want to do that. Like this is where your creativity is starting to come alive. So and get your journal out. <laughs> yep. And by the way, if you're into intermittent fasting, this is when you fast. You don't fast after you ovulate, you fast before. Um, so this is like your, I call this like the creative burn phase where you're literally like, while your ovaries and your hormones inside are starting to kick up and get ready for you to want to go out and have fun on overovulation, you're energetically that's happening too. Like ideas, creativity, desires, wants, you'll be really active. Like that's the time to do something really hard and really physical is in that like once you're done bleeding and right peaking around ovulation. So, okay. Day one to three bleed, you're resting day four to five bleed you're dreaming is that what you're saying yeah you're like because usually your period is coming off like and coming you're off. finally down right then and then you're starting to feel like um the things are starting to come back online right like usually people feel like their brain comes back online mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they like feel like they're themselves again and at night time you're gonna start or you're gonna and during the day that's when little things are gonna pop up that are like ideas, things you want to do, creativity. So journal, so journal your dreams, like really start paying attention to those little sparks inside of you that are starting to like pop, right? The other key thing during this time is to speak your truth about your boundaries. Love that. 
because you have enough energy right now that you can put up with all the stuff that annoys you and pisses you off and that you don't want to do because you have enough energy that you can stuff it. So in addition to listening to your wants, your desires, your ideas, your dreams, you also really, this is the hard part for American women. You need to get really good about the hesitation. When, you know, the husband puts the glass in the sink and you, you feel it, there's like a little hesitation and then you just reach for it and you put it away. When somebody asks you to do something like, you know, I don't know, meet for lunch and you like this person, but you're like, "Mm, mm," but you decide to do it anyway. Yeah. Um, when, um, like just start paying attention to all the times you say yes when your body is going, uh, 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 and get really curious and pause because that pause is telling you something. And that pause is taking a little bit of your energy away that you're going to need that last week right before you start to bleed. So you've got like one to three resting. Four to five, you're dreaming. And the week after that, you're going to have this boost of energy, right? Yep. And so is that when you would suggest like plan the big stuff? Yeah. Plan the big stuff. Do the really hard, crazy workouts. Like go all in. Yes. And you can do that up to ovulation. Okay. And then you're, what you will notice, especially if you start tracking, and, 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 it's, and like I said, the key part to that week of wanting to do everything is also you, you really need to dial in to listen to what's the hell yes and what's the hesitation. Because the hesitation is a hell no. And the more you can listen to doing yes, that's a true yes, and then speaking your no when it's a hesitation, the healthier your cycles will be. And actually a lot of the perimenopausal stuff starts going away too. It's kind of crazy. And um, so you get to ovulation. Ov- ovulation is like the big like culmination. Like that's your energy is the peak. You feel the most awesome. And then what you'll notice about a day or two after ovulation is that your energy is going to tick down a little bit. Not a lot. If you're pregnant, it will a lot. Oftentimes my patients know they're pregnant before a test tells them to because they're just so bone tired because guess what? All of your resources are going to that, that egg. But even if you're not, you're going to notice that uh, you still have the energy to do stuff. But whereas before you could do a 10 out of 10, now you're maxing out about a seven or an eight. I just can't imagine like, what the world would be like if we all function like this. It would be like a completely different place with so much productivity. Like we could just bust stuff out so efficiently and have an entire week to just lay around and rest without beating ourselves up. So that week after ovulation, that's the week that I call the refining week. That's the week that I go back through and whatever ideas, whatever dreams, whatever projects that I came up with during my super creative week. Now week three, I'm looking at that and I'm kind of being discerning. And I, it's my, that's when my project planner hat comes on. Right. And it's like, okay, yep. I really do want to redo the backyard, but I'm not going to do it this year. So let's like this. And we're all good at this. 
Like this is the part where we're, the hard part is that we're like, we have to do this now. And it's like, no, look at it. And like, look at all of that. My kids tease me because I have these giant sheets of plants. But my son was like, I, you know, he was funny. He's like, mom, you eventually get everything done on that sheet. It just doesn't happen right away. And the other thing is that's nice about that refining week is that you'll prioritize what actually needs to be done immediately and what can be a three-month goal, six-month goal, two-year goal. And then you, it sets you up so then the next month when you have the creativity and the energy, you can actually execute on what you're doing and you're not losing it, right? You're not losing right. track of what you're wanting to do, but you're also not running yourself ragged trying to get it done before you run out of energy. Because instinctively, we all know that, and so that's what we do. Right. And then what ideally would happen is you come then into the week before your period, and you can play, you can rest, you might fiddle on some of those projects, but you don't have to get it all done done because you know in about 10 days you're going to have a spurt of energy and right, like if you knew that, that if you wrote something down and you were like okay in 10 days that's when i go that would change everything and now i'm just gonna i'm gonna rest i'm gonna relax i'm gonna nurture myself and the crazy part is that if you have been protecting your boundaries during this whole arc and listening to your body when it hesitates and figure out what that hesitation is for and then honoring that, your PMS will disappear. It, it goes, it completely goes away. And a lot of the hot flashes, night sweats, lack of sleep, like, okay, I'm talking to my perimenopausal women and I'm, I'm like, they're in their insomniac stage. I'm like, what are you laying there? They're laying there thinking about all the shit that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Well, if you put that down and you know that you're gonna get to it, your brain can let it go and then you can actually drop into your body. Yeah, I think we just expect us to be able to like lay in a bed and then go to bed, you know, well, and we need to be able to pay attention to our bodies, pay attention to our brains, recognize what we actually need. You know, I mean, I have actually right next to my bed, I have this, this is what Marcella's bedtime should look like. And I probably wrote it during some, you know, very clear clarity of mind period of time where I did know what I wanted. I had some truth about me and I was able to define that. And it looked like, you know, stretching, paying attention to my body, giving it some care, plugging my phone in, in the kitchen, you know, listening to some classical music, just something that relaxed my brain, meditating, taking the right supplements, journaling, reading, you know, like, giving myself a minute, to, like putting myself to bed, you know, like you think about what would that perfect bedtime look like for you if someone could still come in and tuck you in or yell at you to get off your phone, right? Like maybe we need to yell at ourselves to get off our phones. I, totally. I love this. I and have to, yeah, go ahead. Well, and I was going to say the thing that I like if, and I, ideally this is the ideal world, right? Even if you can do some of this, 
if you have kids, you're teaching a your kids, like you're breaking what you're starting to set in motion is that the culture right now is what it is right now, but you're creating little tiny breaks and little tiny new things that your kids are going to see. So it's going to be normal for your daughters to know that this is how they organize their life. It's going to be normal for your daughters to be able to stand up for their themselves and to set boundaries and not to quite to be as people pleasing as we were all taught to be. Right. Right. It's going to set up a world and where your sons know that that's okay. Your sons are also going to be exposed to this cycle and realize, wow, this is how women work. Okay. So then, What'll happen is like during the week, if you have PMS and you're really like grouchy, your son's going to look at his mate and be like, well, hon, what did we do this month that you, sh- you said yes to that you should have said no to? How can I help you with that? That's going to be a normal conversation. If we all can like little ways start doing this now. And what that and what happens is that in 20 years for like 30 years, yeah, it's a long time. We'll be old ladies by then. But you will have shifted culture right and our granddaughters will have a completely different life experience than what we did hi crazy oh i um one of the things that one of the reasons why i think that this conversation is so important it it came to light when i was talking to my son He's 15. We're having a conversation about, you know, consent and talking about the girl thing. And he really kind of woke me up to, wow, this is a problem that women don't know how to say what they want and what they don't want. We talk about consent all the time. It's a really buzzword topic at this point. And we're talking about consent in the way of get permission, know when they're saying no, know when they're saying yes. And my son said, mom, I don't, I don't think even the girls know they what they would want or how to say what they wouldn't want. And guys don't really know how to read that. And because it's not very clear. And I realized, holy shit, like I have, a, I'm 42 and I have a hard time saying, because I don't want to, right? Just in the tiniest things, like my daughter will be like, can you get me some, you know, the eighth piece of piece of toast? And I'll have to come up with some reason as to why I don't think I should have to get her a piece of toast instead of just like, no, I don't want to. Right. I mean, that sounds like such a stupid, but no, anyone listening to this, have you literally ever said no, because I don't want to No, we come up with like a bajillion things. It makes it very unclear. It gives us all these. It's not a straight. No, it's kind of like a, well, maybe like if this or that, or if this person did this, then I would. And that's, that's really wonky. You know, no one really knows what to do with that. My, my teenager daughter called, asked me for something that was a little like out there. And I was trying to come up with the reasons why I didn't want to spend the money on this extra thing. And in the end I caught myself and I said, you know, I just don't want to. And it felt really mean. Honestly, it felt really mean, but she had nothing else to say. 
And I just like stood there like Marcella say nothing else, say nothing mm -hmm. else. Like that is it. That's all you have to say. It was really, really hard, but I've been practicing that so much more and it's beautiful. It actually works. <laughs> totally. And, 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 and that's like the essence. Like when I talk about like the fact that our menopause and perimenopause symptoms are a lifelong culmination we have our whole life been told we can't say no directly if we don't want to we have to figure out how to make everybody else okay with it there's a lot of really wishy-washy passive aggressive like ways and every time you do that your body registers that mm -hmm. like there is a neurotransmitter there is a hormone there is a whole cascade of reactions that happens inside of you every time you are out of integrity with who you are yes okay. and when you have a lifetime of that then when you go through menopause it's freakishly bad because it doesn't know what cues to listen to it doesn't know what it's doing you have basically and and it's not to like this is what our culture expects us to do right so we're just being really good people <coughs> doing all this but if we can learn within ourselves, even when you're in the middle of all of this, to really start listening to those cues in your body, A, you have to figure out what they mean because most of us don't know what that means. So that's why working with like an acupuncturist or a therapist, they will help you get into your body and figure out what do those signals actually mean? And then you can practice with somebody safe, like a therapist, saying the no. And then like dealing with all that anxiety that comes up when you say the no and how to sit with it. Right. And how to hold it and how to love it and then how to let it pass through. Oh, yes. Because then, like I said, like I watched my daughter and my son and it is, it was confusing when we were kids, but we didn't have, I mean, you could at least get up and walk away and not talk to the person for like a, a period of time before you had to interact with them again. These yeah, things, you can't anymore. do that. Right. And so, and these things obscure everything. So you have to get really direct and you have to be in total alignment so that the other person can actually get a clear reading. Yeah. I, you know, it's so, I love that you're having this conversation and that this is so important to you because my experience was getting to know who I was, you know, spiritually before I knew anything about perimenopause, anything about hormones. And I got real clear as to who I was. I was very comfortable and excited about finding my true self. And then oddly, my body wasn't supporting that. And it became very contradictory. Like I understood that, wait, I am whole, I am me. And then also my body was like extremely tired. And I was trying to figure out why this huge disconnect when my spirit felt like, let's go. Like, you know, we were so, so excited. And that's how I found hormone therapy because I was like, I need my body to support my true self. And now that we're talking about boundaries and, um, and how to really make that connection that we are one whole being and that includes our bodies. One of the things, uh, an analogy that I was using trying to explain this to my friend the other day, I said, it's almost like I was living in this dumpy, crappy house 
And for a long time, I thought that that defined me. I thought, this is who I am. Look at me. I'm a hot mess. And then I realized, wait a minute, this doesn't define me. I'm not this. And I moved out. <laughs> or like I went and spent a lot of time outside of my crappy house body, mm -hmm. aka. And I realized, oh, I'm not my house. I I like magical things. I like color. I like being with people, you know, and I learned a lot about my true self. But then I came back and I thought, oh, but I live in this house. And now I'm able to clear out space. I'm able to decorate. I'm able, I have the understanding of what I want and how I live and know my house or your body. It doesn't define who you are and it's not who you are, but it's where you live. Yes. Right. And you can use your house or your body to express who you are, right? All of a sudden, because you feel strong and amazing. You want your body to feel strong and amazing. And now going to the gym isn't a punishment. It's not, or whatever you're doing. It's like, oh, I just want my body to match my soul. Like I want to feel as strong as and confident in my body as I do in my soul. And it becomes almost a, a gift. Like, mm -hmm. look how neat it is that I can move my body. Look how neat it is that I can, you know, move this weight or run or, you know, pick my kids up and swing them around. You know, it just becomes a different place. And I wanna, well, and I want to address that fatigue because that comes up a lot in my practice because people are like, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm figuring out how to live with the cycle. I'm saying my nose. I'm doing my boundaries. Why am I so exhausted? And it's like, because you're coming down off, your body is now finally being able to feel all the feels that you haven't felt for the last however many years. Yeah. And, 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 and this is actually, quite honestly, the hardest part of healing, I find. Because you're like you described, your soul and everything feels in alignment and you want to be out jumping tall buildings <laughs> and your body's like, hello, I've been keeping it together in this whole crazy house for the last 30 years. I'm a little tapped out at the moment. I love this so much. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, can you, uh, oh, you're going to, uh, and so if you, and, and it's like, do the uh, the hormone therapy, do all that stuff. But again, be mindful and respect the fatigue. You won't be tired your whole life. You won't sleep your whole life away. But your body is telling you, it is giving you that signal. And it's like, and I get it, because I get it. I have two businesses, I have two kids. I'm in the process of separating from my husband. Life is crazy ass right now, right? I would love to be able to sleep, like to sleep 10 hours a night and take three hour naps in the afternoon. That's what my body is telling me right now it needs. When I can, I do. And when I can't, I have grace with myself. Because the other part is the self-talk. Right. So if you're sitting there like trash talking yourself, why am I so tired? I should be out doing this. I should be doing that. Oh my God, you've just exponentiated that fatigue because you yes. are like picking on yourself. But if you're like, man, you know what? Like I have I this chat with my girlfriends and I, I kid you not, probably every four days we all wake up and go, wow, we are freaking exhausted. <laughs> okay, we, we, 
I see you. I see you. We're going to still get up. We're still going to take care of the kids. We're still going to acknowledge the fact that on a scale of zero to 100, we're operating at like a five, but we're still operating. And then, hey, how can I help you? Can I pick your kid up from school? Is there a way that I can, like, what would fuel your bucket today? Do you want to go for a swim? Okay, like, I think if we got more honest with that with each other and also didn't let each other trash talk ourselves when we were fatigued, our bodies would heal and we would recover. And then you're not going to be tired. Everything would finally match. You'll have the shiny soul and the brand new house that you rebuilt because you allowed everything to come back into alignment. Oh my gosh. We just need to like get pods of women together, you know, put our cycles on the table and be like, okay, you're in charge of this that week. You're in like, this is collaborate on cycles and we're so good ideally in matriarchal societies that was how things used to function where do we sign up for that uh that 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 culture (laughs) died about four thousand years ago so we need to bring it on back (laughs) oh my goodness i have to add something this is a thought that i've had throughout this conversation i um and i learned this in oa which is overeaters anonymous it's AA for eating, right? For food. And I was on a call one time and they were talking about being neutral, right? Like not chasing the high and not dropping to the low. And my first reaction to that was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I live for the high. Like that is Marcella. I chase the high. That is how I function. That is the amazement of life. That is like, what would be the point if I don't ever get to get the high? And at first I thought that sounds horrible. I don't want to just be in like a meh zone forever. But then she told a story about how a close friend of hers had passed away and everyone around her was either really high, right? Like running around amok, trying to like, just fix everybody, help everybody or lows of lows in total devastation. And what she recognized is that because she had learned how to feel feelings or let things pass through her or trust the universe in flow, she was able to be useful. She said, I could show up for the people that needed me to bring them meals or needed me to check on them. I could stay sane, not running amok. I could be helpful at the funeral. I could be helpful to the family. I stayed available. And when she said that, I was like, Oh, that, because my highs, when I get into like manic mode, not actually very useful. I mean, maybe I can get a lot of stuff done, but I'm pretty checked out in like whatever craziness I'm in. And when I'm low of lows, also not very useful. So when we talk about finding this like neutral, peaceful space, I want to just acknowledge the people in the room that feel like me were like, we live for the high. But if you get real honest, you're kind of not very available during the high or the low. And I have found great power in the neutral zone of peace. And you still get the little high, you still get the little lows, but there's so much more opportunity to be useful and available when I am in a peaceful state of neutrality. And that is what I chase (laughs) now. And I think we, 
see, I've learned too that that high and that low, those are both trauma responses to keep mm. you safe. And safety is that neutral middle ground. And we confuse the high with awe. <laughs> right. Yes. And we do. We need those experiences. But you can only really feel those experiences when you are deeply embodied and your heart is open enough that you can really feel the awe, the joy, the love, the beauty, the connection. And I think if we're really honest, like what you're saying, when you're in that high, you can't feel that. Right. And you're confusing the adrenaline high with that feeling. And it's like part of the work to stay embodied because then you actually get those moments of awe throughout the day. And then every once in a while, you'll have the, you know, the sun come out, the choir sings and the uh, aha moment. But those are rare. They're supposed to be rare. And what you'll also find is that your lows aren't as low. Right. Well, and I find that for me, now I wake up and I am not at the mercy of the day. Right. I know who I am. I know that there's going to be some ups and downs and some things that go wrong and things that go right during the day. And it has nothing to do with me. I know at the end of the day, I can go to bed a whole person, not questioning what did I do wrong because I didn't get the aha, amazing moments. I am here to experience the world as it shows up for me instead of this was bad. So I must be bad. And this was good. So I must have done it right. I am no longer chasing that anymore. I'm just here. And so when you're just here in the world in awe of what's going to be, whatever your day is going to be, then it allows things to come as they are. And you're not judging them as much, you know, like I have to jump off the call and go take a towel to my daughter when I had arranged everything to not have my day broken up. But you know what? That's just how the day is going to go. And I'm not, I don't need to be frustrated about it. I just am going to trust that like interesting, interesting that I'm going to need to get in the car and drive over there. Isn't that interesting? You know, instead of just judging it and being so resistant and so angry that it didn't go my way. And that is a different way of living. And there are a lot of things. I, I mean, I'm sure you have some resources, but one of the things that has helped me find this neutral mm. space and peace, there's a book called Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, really anything by Eckhart Tolle. And another one called um, Michael Singer's Untethered Soul. Those two books I've read multiple times. And those two books have really helped me be present allow things to flow through, not judge my day, not judge, not be chasing the high. But what's interesting about all of those books that we read, they're all written by men. And every time I read them, I think something is missing from this book. 
And it is the cycle. It is understanding when we can run and jump and when we need rest. And that is not in any of these books. So we can talk about neutrality all day long, but in the end, women run on a cycle and we need to be able to use that as our power. So I love being able to incorporate those two and understand even more about me and women in general. So for you, what to kind of wrap up, what are some things, I mean, maybe you have some suggestions of resources, podcasts, practices, um, some specific things that you would say someone can do today or start learning today to be able to really reduce our stress and increase our, our bound and set our boundaries. Um, so for, to reduce stress, I really like the calm app. Um, you can use it to either fall asleep to, or to meditate. And, um, I've tried a lot of different ones and I just find that that one is the most consistent. And, um, so if you don't have that, you can try that. And I love, cause they have like five minute visualizations and they have 45 minute visualizations. So, I mean, and then be gracious with yourself. It's funny. Cause I can often tell, um, where a person is on their journey when they get on my acupuncture table because you're on that table with needles in you for about 45 minutes and people who are not used to being still, um, it, it's a little scary to think that you can't move for 45 minutes. Um, the needles help you do that. I mean, they, they put you into a deep trance, but there are lots of people out there who fight it, who can't let trust that process. Um, so, um, the calm app and then, just to get curious, like you're talking about, like notice throughout your day, like um, the Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart. Oh, so good. And and there's a wheel that you can Google online that has all of the different emotions. And there's, you know, there's a lot. There, I think there's over a hundred of them. And um, those two books are real, that, those two things are really key because most, most Americans can only identify three emotions. <laughs> Anger, sadness, and happy. And there's over a hundred different emotions. And Atlas of the Heart is great because she walks you through, like that they, they group them into families and then she helps you really learn how to discern within your body the difference between like resentment and envy or between frustration and anger or, you know, between joy and contentment, which these nuances are important because when you start to know, you kind of need to like figure out what your vocabulary is internally. And then that way, when that hesitation comes up, when I say, hey, Marcella, do you want to go grab a drink later? You can see how your body reacts, right? Like, is that, is that just a pure, yeah, let's go. Like, you don't even think about it. You're already there right. and you already got a seat. Or is there a, oh, because all of a sudden you realize you have to go pick up the kids and you have to do all this other stuff. And then when, when that hesitation comes up, can you then discern which one of your definitions of what you are feeling, you are feeling, and then express that to the person in front of you and be like, Hey, Stace, I'd really love to have that drink with you tonight. Can we postpone? Can we reschedule to later in the week? I have a bunch of stuff I have to do with the kids right now. Because that's actually 
not to get too existential, but that's what's fraying at our culture right now and what's fraying in us as women because we carry the culture. And so the more you can learn your cycle, like map your cycle, like we just talked about, and then learn your internal emotional compass and what that feels like for you, because I guarantee you how I feel when I'm happy and how Marcella feels when she is happy. We might have similarities, but they're not the same thing. Right. Yeah. And so you have to be able to know that and then to be able to express that. And then the more you can do that, just be curious about what happens within your body. One of the greatest books I ever read, probably the first one that ever taught me what boundaries would even look like or sound like is a book called Why Men Love Bitches. <laughs> have you read it? No, but it's okay. awesome. You have to read it. It's like, it's a bestseller. It's kind of a staple, but it is the first book, you know, I was raised by a mother that is a people pleaser. I love her. She's amazing. You know, she built a beautiful life for all of us, but she also, that, that is what she does. She makes sure everybody is okay and everybody's happy at her own expense. And this is the first book that I read that I thought, oh, that's what that sounds like. I don't have to sound like a selfish bitch, even though, you know, the title is that. It sounds sexy and sassy and powerful. And it sounds like a woman that knows what she wants and respects what other who other people are and respects that other people um, can handle her. Right. It says, yeah, hey, I didn't you know, I have this funny story in my book, Wake Her Up, where I used to just make the dinners that my husband liked. And that was it. I never asked myself what I wanted. And there's a story called Noodles for Dinner. And I made noodles one night and he was like, I think this should have gone like this would have gone better with rice. And my old self would have just fell into a puddle of a person and been so sad and offended and thought, oh my gosh, I did it wrong. And let me hurry and make you rice. And I remember that was the very first time I can honestly say I had this clear boundary that I was practicing. And I was like, I don't know. I just wanted noodles. And I sat at the table. I made myself like, do not move from the seat. Do yep. not get up and make rice. You will sit here and enjoy these noodles without resentment with just love for yourself, the end. And he can get as mad as he needs to get or disrespectful or whatever he's going to do. But in the end, you just wanted noodles. And that was it. And it changed, honestly, that tiny conversation and that tiny step for me to create that one boundary, it changed everything. And in my story, I'll say it was the first time that in my marriage, there were two whole people. Right. Right. And that changes everything when you show up and you can oh, only show up with boundaries. Let me, one of my favorite books is set, set boundaries, find peace by Ooh. Nedra Glover Tonwar. Set boundaries, find peace, find peace. I love that. And I love it in there because she makes the comment and this was so profound for me when I first heard it, because I'm a recovering people pleaser. And she has a comment in there that, only people without boundaries perceive people with boundaries as being mean, cruel, or bitchy. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like, if you set a boundary and you are with somebody who respects and sets boundaries, too, it is not a big deal. Right. It is only a big deal with people who don't understand what to do with them. 
And that was one of those kind of like you with the noodles. When I heard her talk about that, because I used to get so pissed at people when they would set a boundary. You're like, what? It's like, how dare they? Yeah. You're like, I'm, I'm always available. What's your problem? <laughs> and then I was like, and then when she, and then I was starting to figure out that that was my problem. And I was like, and when she said that, I was like, oh, that's why that irritated me so much. Because I didn't have any boundaries. And so it really pissed me off that somebody else did. And it's true, because now it's like when somebody sets a boundary, I'm like, thank you. Okay, I now know exactly. Thank you. I'm grateful. Even when you're like just learning it, you know, and you're just trying to figure out what that looks like and somebody sets a boundary, your first reaction is like, Ugh. and then you're like, oh, that's, oh, okay. Thank you for saying no to this because I'm learning how to do that. And it's so helpful when people show you. And again, it goes all the way back to what you're saying. It is going to be helpful for our kids because they're going to know what it looks like. And even though it really pisses them off right now, when you say, no, I don't want to, or they think that you're selfish or they think whatever it is, you know, it teaches them that they are not going to have to be on 24 seven and saying yes to everybody. And when they get in a compromising situation, I mean, if this is what it takes for you to like know how important boundaries are, think about your daughter being in a compromising situation, not being able to use the words to say, I don't want to. Or even think about your son being in that position and not knowing what to do and not, and, and needing the girl yes. to be like, no. So, you know, because God bless guys, I'm trying to teach my son that he can be the one to say no to. Yep. And it's like when things are mercury, I mean, it's hard for us adults when things are murky yeah. to figure out what the hell's yep. going on. And we have supposedly developed brains. It's like, just teach because they, the boys have to learn how, actually everybody has to learn how to respect the no, and they have to learn how to say the no. Yeah, it's crazy to me that we're getting so frustrated with these teenagers that get themselves into stupid situations, right? Because we're like, you're at a party, like, just walk away, say no, don't do the thing. And yet, and yet, here we are, you know, stressed out of our freaking minds, not be able to remember things, feeling dead inside. Why? Oh, because we can't say no to our own children. We can't say no to neighbors. We can't say no to our own selves. We cannot see, uh, you know, we can't go to a party with this beautiful cake when we've decided, you know, cake is going to feel crappy for me today. I'm going to treat myself well and feed myself nutritious foods. We can't go to a party and not eat the freaking cake because we might offend someone. But then at the exact same day, we're getting really mad at our kid because they didn't say no to getting in a car with a bunch of kids that probably shouldn't be driving, right. right? Because they didn't want to offend someone. And we're wondering like, why can't you just say no? And they're like, oh, uh, like <laughs> as you're like eating the cake that you shouldn't be eating, right? I mean, we gotta wake up. We gotta start looking at ourselves as painful as it might be on some things, but it is the awareness that is going to change all of this. Um, and Stacy. We're, we're going to have to do, yeah. you know, three, four, five episodes, but 
tell everyone where can we find you? All right. I am in Longmont, Colorado. You can find me at www.goodlifelongmont.com. Um, you can also, my um, Facebook is at goodlifelongmont.com. And um, I'm slowly, I promise Marcella, the next time that we meet, I will actually have a page for people I can actually direct people to. Um, but if you guys want to email me, that's awesome right now. Um, my email is my first name, Stacy S-T-A-C-E-Y, at goodlifelongmont.com. So you can Wonderful. And we will have all of your information on the show notes, but also she is listed on our directory at wakeherup.co. And you can get to that also by marcellahill.com where you can find my book and all the resources you need to chill out, be powerful, know yourself and balance your hormones. So she is uh, one of our, um, she's listed under Chinese medicine for Colorado and we just love you. Thank you so well, much so for, for being you here. And for your platform and for your reach and for, I love watching your TikToks. You're awesome. At some point, <laughs> I will, at some point, you and I need to practice because I used to be really good with tech. I'm getting old <laughs> enough that I'm not anymore. But I was thinking at some point, like, um, I need to figure out how to respond to some of your stuff because there's ways that I can make and tag off of that, but you're awesome. And I love your message and I love how you care. So keep well, you are changing lives out there every day and we need more people like you. So keep doing what you're doing and I'm going to get out there to Colorado soon so that we can hang out. And I love to see your space, get a little treatment from you. Yeah. I would love that. I've never done acupuncture, so we'll have to try that. <laughs> You're welcome anytime. Oh my goodness. Well, Stacy, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and we will see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Um, if you need more support, more anything that you found on this last podcast, please come and hang out with us in our Facebook group, Wake Her Up, where you're going to have over 32,000 women instantly be your friend, know what you're experiencing in your life and in your body. And we're going to help wake her up because that woman inside of you, she deserves to live on the outside and to be supported by a body that feels good. <sighs> Let's do this. We deserve to feel awake and alive and we can't wait to hear how you wake up. I'll see you soon. It's now your turn to wake up the woman inside of you. Come hang out with us in our private community and find all the resources you need to feel awake and alive at wakeherup.co. I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Please leave a review and let me know how this episode helped to wake her up.